Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, joined here by our host and star of the show, Kevin Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer, the Hall of Famer. And we're joined again today by Will George, star of A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, with Mark Wiley. We're without Sal Marinello today, but this is the front end of a triple header Tuesday. We've got Coaching Kernan here, followed by the arms race, and then and we got Sal Marinello showing up for the hot corner with Coach Sal. So before we get started and bring on our guys, just want to thank a couple of sponsors, Jaw Bats, RBG at checkout. We'll get you a, a discount on a great uh, certified maple bat or any of their merchandise for that matter. Great homemade bats. They're still making them right out of their garage one at a time, so you got to love those guys. We're going to announce two new partners, Bonet and Kinetic Arm. At the end of the week, we just want to throw their names out there so our audience can start looking at them. And uh, want to thank our new marketing partner, Millions. Our tagline is up on our, our social media pages. I'll post it in all the show notes. And uh, at the end of this week, you'll be able to get merchandise, hats, T-shirts for men and women, hoodies for men and women as well. You'll also be able to bring our guys on for experiences, speeches, both online and in person. And then some personalized videos. Got Valentine's Day coming up. I'm sure a lot of the, the ladies out there will want a uh, personal video from the hot, the hot Corners Coach Sal out there. So with his great calves, we always talk about. Again, the two awards, the Webbies and Sports Podcast Group for Baseball Podcast of the Year. Just want to thank our audience for their support, 67,000. And uh, with that, play a little Rocky music today. We had uh, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, pass away this past weekend. So I figured Rocky music was appropriate for today. With that, Kevin, welcome back to your show. Good to be back. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, we are the underdogs, so we're like Rocky, and we just keep, keep punching away and make things happen and hopefully change baseball for the better. Um, this week I wrote about – one of the things I wrote about this week at Ball9.com was the Orioles, uh, you know, the, the new ownership coming aboard, Cal Ripken being involved. It's about time they got Cal Ripken involved. I mean, all these – these teams are just so stupid. They don't, they'll, they'll, they'll bring some nerd on who doesn't know anything about baseball and pay him tons of money. And meanwhile, good baseball people are, are sent away. Uh, along those lines, uh, Billy Milos, uh, our friend Billy Milos, a scout who is like really good at digging up players in the weeds of independent leagues. Uh, I'm going to congratulate him. Um, he, he got, he got let go by the Twins, an organization that is, Incredibly dumb uh, for, for letting that to happen uh, for the price they're paying the man and all the years he put in with the Twins. Uh, but the Rockies have hired him, and good for the Rockies. Hopefully they find some uh, some uh, jewels out there in the rough, uh, diamonds in the rough, and and that, that's where I'm at today. Uh, again, the Orioles column got a lot of a lot of people interested in that. A lot of Orioles fans around, I'm noticing. Uh, the uh, head of the Knights of Columbus at my local church came up to me. Another guy in my garden, the treasurer at the garden, came up to me. They're all Orioles fans. They're all feeling good about themselves. And the signing of Corbin Burns as even Aaron uh, Boone is getting some reality. Kumbaya Aaron uh, said that could be a bit of a problem. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting year in the ALE seismic shift and Hopefully they learned from their outing where they were outscored 21 to 11, I believe, by the Rangers. And uh, things go up from there. But <clears throat> that's where I'm starting. And uh, I want to throw a question right to you, Dave. I want to get it going today quick because yeah. uh, I think we're here to instruct as much as anything. And that's why we have a growing audience. 
and there is not a lot of real instruction going on. Uh, I call I call it reality based instruction. That's that's what we do because we deal in realities and we deal with what's really happening in the sport. And um, and we'll get to Will in a second. But 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 I want to ask you, Dave, I thought you had a very interesting post the other day about, um, you know, parents asking about, uh, you know, playing competitively and playing for fun. And they seem to they draw a line between the two. And uh, you see it all the time with kids, especially middle school. Oh, um, my son or daughter is playing for my for the rec league team. And they're also on the travel team, maybe the middle school team. Um, they want to have fun on the rec league and they want to have, you know, they want to be a little more serious here. Just uh, run us through what really is happening there. And, and uh, I know whenever I played baseball, uh, I had fun, you know, whether it was at the 16th Street Playground in Kenilworth where we spent all our summers, no parents, thank God. Um, high school ball, college ball, little league. Uh, if you can't have fun, there's no sense playing. There's going to be pressure times, but you got to have fun. So this whole, the science, and this can be something we'll discuss later too, but the science, the, the science, making baseball a science project is really starting to get under my skin. So uh, Dave, uh, give us uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I got a lot of traction on that. Um, and I usually will pick a question that there's, you know, a ton of people are asking. It's usually not just one person, but um, I don't understand why having fun and playing competitively have to be mutually exclusive. Um, you know, for me and, and for what I wrote in the post and what we try to use with our programs is that going out there and playing hard, going out there and being a good teammate, going out there and, you know, diving for a ball, taking the extra base, communicating, being disciplined, being demanded from, making mistakes, uh, failing. For some reason, that's been deemed as not fun. Um, and what I wanted to make the parents clear on is that, you know, again, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They shouldn't be. And they, when I, when I broke it down in the, uh, for the, the parent that asked me and then in the article, I try never to embarrass anybody. I'll never call anybody out. But to them, fun was not being accountable, um, right. not having to you know, play hard or playing, playing hard when they feel like it. Uh, and to me, the biggest problem was is being, uh, being devoid of responsibility. So if they don't show up, if they're that's, not – That's mind- the key. That's accountability responsibility. Yeah. And it was kind of their way of saying, hey, whatever happens here, from the kid's standpoint, they're devoid of responsibility. And from the parent's standpoint, the mental part of it was – Whatever happens on the field is not a direct reflection of me. And I think that's what the parents have the biggest problem is. They watch on pins and needles and yeah. every little thing that happens on that field, they think people are oh, know, yeah. Mistakes, oh, yeah. more physical mistakes. Now, if a kid's lazy and whatnot, I tell my kid, your name's on the back of that. My name's on the back of that jersey. You play hard. And they know that. Um, other than that, I, I take zero. It, you know, whatever happens out there, that's them. And they're going to get better in their coach. Um, now, the other side of it, the competitive part. Parents think when you pay money, now it's competitive, it's, it's elite. And somehow, and my question to the person privately was, it's still the same kid, right? So yeah. the, the kid, whether they go from one side or the other, they're going to make a conscious decision whether to try or not try, be accountable, not accountable. And I caution myself, that's a very dangerous place to have your child in right now, whether it's sports or life. And uh, that is prevalent out there, and that's concerning. And the message I gave across, I got a lot of travel programs uh, and I've got a response to that at the end of the week, thinking I was banging on them. And I kind of joked, said I was, you know, ding, ding, ding. I was, yep. but not all of them are bad. 
Um, and that's the point I want to make with them. And but the part is they they think that you pay your way into competitiveness, you pay your way into exclusivity. And back when again, not to be old, but it used to be uh, you were chosen um, because of mm -hmm. the effort, energy, responsibility you showed. Somebody chose you to take that next step. It's no longer like that. Parents can pay their way into what they, they deem as competitive, and it's it's totally upside down. I didn't mean to go long on that, but I appreciate the. No, it's, uh, it's a lot to be said there. And I think that the scariest part to me uh, is that when you say you're, it's almost like you're saying because they're playing competitively, they can't have fun. Yeah. But the, like, and you nailed it. Fun. Uh, what's more fun than diving for a ball? Even if you don't, if you get it, it's phenomenal. Um, um, you know, I went to a local college uh, game the other day and, uh, I counted, and this is, I'm going to give you parents a dose of reality. This was a Division II school. It was out of uh, um, North Carolina. Um, Lenore Rhyme, I think is the name of it. And uh, it's, I counted the players, and they were good. They were good. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not, I'm not bashing the program. I counted, doing the national anthem, 41 players on a Division II team. 41. I, last time I looked, you know, nine or 10 play. So, and you got your pitching staffs and things like that. So this is what you're up against. You're up against a challenge that's going to be pretty intense. And if you can't have fun trying to meet that challenge, you're in for a long haul of, uh, of, of screwing up and, and your kid is not going to have fun. Make fun, make the game fun. So I'm, I'm going to jump over to Will now because, you know, he played professionally, pitched, was a good quarterback. Uh do you see that within the, the scouting that you do, Will, or, or, you know, when you see these minor league teams, uh, they, they've gone a little too far with fun. They have shorts and T-shirts on at 2 o'clock, and they're, they're goofing around like it's, uh, you know, uh, it's like it's the, the Pro Bowl games. By the way, ridiculous, ridiculous. Pro Bowl, get rid of it. Dom, done. done. I don't want to see tug of war. I don't want to see guys who can't golf hit a golf ball. I watched it for 30 seconds, and that was 30 seconds of my life wasted. But, Will, let's go with you on this one. Oh, wow. A lot <laughs> of things to unpack there. But, you know, going back to what Dave said, um, I think growing up for us, practice was fun. Going to the yeah. field, like you said, Kevin, and practicing amongst ourselves and trying to get better and trying to achieve to be one of the chosen and not having to buy your way in. Um, being competitive, you know, uh, you know, even professionally, you know, uh, lifelong friends with everybody I played with still love all these guys. We were all competing to try to get to the big leagues against each other. Um, you know, you know, you, you know, competition breeds success and people don't want to compete. They just want to be given things. Um, so it's, it's not a good place for youth sports. Uh, um, not enough uh, teaching, not enough uh, time on the practice field, becoming a better defensive player, becoming a better base runner, becoming a better fielder as a pitcher, becoming a better hitter. Um, well, how much fun is it, Will, to go? And again, you, you're a bigger guy, but you've seen it and you were probably a pretty good base runner, I'm sure. Uh, when you it's fun to go from first to third. Oh, it's, yeah. It's you fun know, to steal a base. It's fun to hit a number down a third baseline that, that stays fair. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with exit uh, below. That's what's happened. The, yeah. the, the nerds have taken our game and made it into a science project. And, you know, 
it may be fun to, you know, you know, uh, do some things in science. And my daughter's a math teacher and she, she makes math fun. Uh, so, but when you take the fun out of the game and, and, the, and, and the little things out of the game, everything does not have to be measured. You know what? Let's start measuring. No, that's, that, that's a friend of mine put it really well a few years ago that, uh, we're just chasing measurables. Yep. But none of the measurables equate to a good baseball player in all cases. Um, exit velocity in the batting cage does not equate to a good at bat and a base hit when the game counts. Uh, a lot of times it equates to a strikeout. Because well, let me get back the- to the college game. I watched it the other day. The one team was clearly better than the other team, but the other team hung in there. The good team kind of broke it open on a nubber down the third baseline that kind of scored the guy. So they're going to talk about the the guy who hit the home run that was like 420 feet, but that little, you know, you know, 80 foot hit that that had no exit below was the difference in the game because the hitter put the ball in play at a crucial part, didn't strike out. Where's the other team? Second and third, crucial part of the game, uh, one out, uh, strikeout. There you go. So, so you, you know, Kevin, you mentioned base running. No, I did not run well. I was uh, <laughs> blessed with being slow, but I was taught how to run the bases. I was exactly. taught anybody can learn. I was taught how to get a good secondary lead. I was taught how to read the ball off the bat and know that it was going to be down, and know that uh, you know I had coaches in 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 high school and Babe Ruth league and leagues like that as a kid that. You know, know everybody's arm on the field. Okay, the left fielder doesn't have a strong arm, and you get a good jump. You're going to be able to go first to third because he's he's, you know, you know the play's right in front of you. Um, we were taught how to play the game, and if all we're being taught are measurables, we're not teaching how to play the game. Well, that that leads me right to my next point. It's funny, and we don't just so people understand to. This show is not pre-programmed. We, you know, we, we, I bring up something and we run with it. So it's, it's because I want it to be, I hate to use the word, but I want it to be organic. You know, I want it to be real. It's authentic. Yeah, yeah, it is authentic. And, and it's funny you bring that up because one of the things I'd written down, I always write down two or three things I might want to look at. Uh, I just read an article about the, uh, it was a good article, you know, interesting. I, I've written some like this myself about the Padres now partnering up with um, uh, Point Loma Nazarene University nearby, right in San Diego. Uh, Basically this state-of-the-art, another state-of-the-art pitching lab. You know, it's got all kinds of graduate students. A lot of their students work for other teams. It's a pitching bio lab that they've been using for a number of years. But I get it. That's okay. But how come, you know, and they're investigating why we have the injuries, blah, blah, blah. But they don't do. They don't look at things. They don't look. They don't look at the game anymore. They just do the measurables. Again, going back because that's the only baseball I've seen recently. But again, at the college game, this big moose of a hitter is up. He first time up, uh, he hits. Uh, you know, hits a home run about four hundred twenty feet on a fastball. Next two times he strikes out on, on breaking balls, and then I look in the in the following game, um, two home runs. That kid should never see another fa- uh, fastball the rest of the series, you know. Well, so. there's, 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 <laughs> at least not one in the in his sweet spot, you know. <laughs> that that's the thing we don't pay attention to the game. We don't watch the game. The game tells us what to do all the time, you know. 
how many times you go, you know, you, you go watch a, a game with young kids and they throw the first fastball by a hitter and the second I, pitch, yeah. they throw a breaking ball and they hang it and the guy gets a base hit and you go, well, wait a minute. He couldn't get around on your fastball. What do you give it? Why, why are you trying to speed his bat up to get to something or, uh, that he's not going to get to? Because um, here's my theory on that. Because of Hawkeye, Trackman, Blast Motion, Hit yeah, Traps, yeah, uh, all, all of them. You know, uh, yeah. the uh, the high speed cameras. They they well, rely on they rely on on um, something outside of themselves to do the work for themselves, and I think that's well, an issue. You know, right now. And, and you can address that, and then Dave, you jump on that. Well, yeah, the, you know the other thing, and we've talked about it a million times on our pitching show with Mark and I, with a lot of our unbelievably good guests. That yeah, the hitters are hitting one fifteen against a breaking ball. But it's not a steady diet of nothing but breaking balls. It's a journey to that pitch that they didn't get a hit and they didn't have good contact or they chased because you set them up. You know, you still have to sequence and utilize all your pitches. You can't just sit out there and, you know, you know, you, you know, you go back uh, to, to the to the McCullers kid and Houston is highly analytic and he threw 28 straight breaking balls. And then, and we, granted, and then had a, a surgery soon after. Yeah, granted, he did. He he helped them win a World Series, but that was 2017. I don't think he's thrown 200 innings since then, because of all the injuries. And I, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we could keep our guys healthier and utilize their plus pitch with location and mixing other pitches and changing speeds, which Dave, you being a hitter and Kevin, you being a hitter pitching or hitting is timing and pitching is upsetting the timing. So when you're changing speeds, doesn't mean just cause you're throwing a fastball, somebody's always going to get a hit, you know, Ted Williams, only the greatest hitter ever. The, you know, when he hit 400 made an out six out of the 10 times. So, no, I agree. I, I think the for me as a hitter, movement didn't bother me as much as the change of speeds. The change of speeds threw my balance off. And yeah, I, I to, to your to your question, Kevin, on the analytics with with uh, you know, I have a background as a player, as a college and a professional player background as a college coach, but I also have a an analytics degree from an Ivy League school, which I told the story before online, so I won't do it again. It was more to thumb my nose at because I didn't learn anything from the courses. I'd already done it. I taught myself, but um, neither here nor there. But when I go in and do consulting projects in, in uh, professional basketball, I go in with a creed and I give them this too because they ask me to, to translate analytics and and basically what's, what's going on in the field. And the biggest thing I tell them and I remind them is that, you know, I did not create the world I'm being asked to evaluate. And this world that you're asking me to evaluate does not exist to satisfy my equations. So I'm not here to you tell me what you want at the end and work backwards with it. I think that's a dangerous thing with with uh, with the way they're they're measuring these kids nowadays and at the you know specifically at the pro level and the the models they use they're they're there to estimate value, but people get too overly impressed with math. We can make math say whatever we want. We can make Absolutely. numbers say whatever we want. Right. Um, you know so and the, the biggest thing I tell them is never never discard reality and gut instinct from experience for the elegance that you think that you, you've got with this number 
and the deep explanation that all you, you know, digit heads around the table come up with because they, they try to make it sound so flowery and wonderful. And at the end of the day, 152 is 152 as a batting average. You can't flower that up with launch angle, exit velocity, whatever other X woba you want to put on it. It's 152. It's bad. It's not good. You know, um, that, that's the best I can say on that. You know, and, and, and Dave, you know, we, we, uh, I liken when I listen to highly analytic people on MLB network, um, very similar to lawyers and politicians when they're talking about the deficit and the gross domestic product, and they just start throwing millions of numbers around that common people have no idea what they're talking about. And, and in some way, it's trying to justify their, their analysis as to why things are better, you know, than, than, than what they say they are. Just like, you know, the, the, the economy's humming we hear right now. And uh, it's not humming when I go to the store and go food shopping. It's uh, extremely expensive. Uh, well, it's, it's done so they can. It's a loss of reality is where I look at it. And I, I think that's what we the main thing I want to point out. And because I've been there, too, I, you know, I've made mistakes as a parent. You know, it's not easy, you know, um, yeah, and you may put your kid in the wrong program or, or take some fun away from them and and let them just go out there and do his thing. But, you know, they can they can tell the numbers up to the, like well, you mentioned, I'll, I'll throw some politics in here, too. The, the latest bill that they're proposing, with what's going on with the border and everything yeah. else, you know, all I can say is, uh, you know, it's ridiculous. Everything's, you know, we can't, if people don't put money into society and they get money from that society, eventually the people who are giving the money into the society, it's going to all collapse eventually. So, and it, it and I want to equate that to baseball. There are more and more pitch. Everyone has a pitching lab now, right? Pretty yeah. much. They all have, and you know what? There's more and more Tommy John surgery. So what's going on with this pitching lab? Pitching lab BS. Yeah, yeah we uh, we we've d- dove into the numbers of the injuries. We are not taking care of our players. When you miss over forty five thousand days with twelve hundred players. And that's just last year in the major leagues. Yeah, Yeah. and and, and at a cost of a billion, almost a billion dollars, and that is doubled in the last six years, you cannot tell me that we're taking good care of our players. And what I also found interesting along those lines was this pitching lab cost $3 million to get up and running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the, the pitching coach in Arizona – He's he's worth three million. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there's there are you know when you go watch a minor league series and you know they you know the the, the bus pulls up with uh, two strength and conditioning people, uh, mental skills coaches, um, you know the trainers, uh, masseuse, dietitians, <laughs> um, uh, you know. Bull Doran, bring bring Bull Doran back. I, you know, I, you know, I, uh, I, I am a dinosaur, and in 1977, in rookie league, I had a manager and a trainer who wasn't even certified, but he was a good guy, and he had a little bit of EMT stuff, so he knew how to put ice on my elbow. Um, but you know what? We stayed healthy all year long. We went out and ran every day. We did did work on the field and. You know, we stayed healthy. 
You played baseball. That's, that's yeah, yeah. We played baseball, and and my manager taught us a little bit about the game, uh, gave us an introduction to how to be a professional. Um, well, and also it's the time. It's the time on the field that counts, and there's less time on the field than ever now. Right. right. And, and the other thing that that gnaws me, and uh, that's you know, that's that's why I'm taking this, putting this all out there now, and even with the travel, you know, again. Kids play travel ball, and I've seen it change. Don't forget, my wife is a three-decade mom. She had a child in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And all those kids were very – all three of them were very good players, played all different levels. So I saw – I saw in, in with real with real time happening the changing from travel ball for my daughter, who's the youngest – I mean, the oldest, born in 79, all the way to my youngest, who, you know, uh, you know, so he was born in 91 – and how it became uh, became what it became. But one of the things that gets to me, there's so much individual work done. We're forgetting about the teamwork. So teams don't work. And, and both of you can address this. Uh, we'll, we'll go to you second because uh, you can think about it because you see all these things every, every day. What kind of teamwork do you see anymore? And Dave, I mean, you, you do individual teaching too, you know, and but you coach as well. Why are we losing? And, and I think this is a this analogy. To, we we can draw this to the country too. We're losing teamwork. Teamwork is out the window with the country as much as it is with the with the individual sports we're seeing now. It's all individual work. Yeah, it's it's that's parents have seen this as the next pay to play, the next advantage to get on the the elite travel team that they have to pay for. Also, so I, my my message, and I, I stay away from. I'll help kids out. I don't do anything formal with individual sessions and even with the team practices, I'm there around it, but I like other people to get out there and teach and, and I try to fill in the gaps with, with, with both sports, but the, the individual training, I mean, it says it right in the title. It's kids when they're growing up, just from a psychological standpoint, they see the world from a limited view. They see it from their perspective. And all we're doing is putting many exclamation points onto that, that uh, mindset and we're lengthening the amount of time it takes him to actually see team. We're not rewarding him for team. We're rewarding him for individual statistics, individual analytics. Um, and I did a post on basketball. I, I know we're talking baseball, but uh, where I, I admonished all these individual trainers said that they're killing the game because every workout they do has the kids doing these crazy ass shots, crazy ass drills that they're never going to do in the game, but it's entertaining. And the ball is in their hand 100% of the time. And when they enter a game, if they're even great, I mean, the greatest players only have the ball in their hand five to 7% of the time. But when they get done with the game and they shoot four for 18, and I asked a parent this the other day, your kid, we walked, the kid thought he played awful, four for 18, just missed shots he normally makes. And I said, how long does it take you to shoot those shots? And he's like, probably two seconds per shot. I said, so 36 seconds, let's take the misses, 14 misses, 28 seconds. You played 40 minutes. So you you evaluated your game and totally forgot the other 30, you know, eight or 39 minutes and excuse my math. I won't do the math on that, but, uh, and, and, you know, 32 seconds, whatever it may be, you, you let 28 seconds dictate and you forgot about what you did defensively, what you did blocking out, what you did rebounding. And that goes over to baseball too. These kids are, it doesn't matter if they got the out or not, their spin rate wasn't the right way, or, you know, their form on a backhand was perfect, but, they didn't execute. They weren't accountable for actually making the play. Um, you know, and the commu- and the biggest thing, sorry, I'm going long on this. And no, ironically, the last no, one. No. 
our kids can't communicate anymore. And that's part of team. Well, that's a great, great point because mm. they can't communicate in life. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll be walking to the beach and I always do it on purpose. And this was my, this is what makes me AMBS. Part of what makes me AMBS. I'll see, a, you know, the, the kids, whether male, female, 14-ish, 12, 14. I always say hi, you know, and, and they, they're like dumbfounded, dumbfounded. Like they don't, they can't even react like, oh, my God whether it's a combination of stranger danger or why is this person talking to me or that's a human being. I, I respond back to him. Uh, and I'll tell you one quick little story. So again, I'm, I'm at the college game and I go from the, the baseball game down to the softball game. It was a high school softball tournament. And again, we got to get into softball at some point. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah. So, so I'm watching that, but on the way down, there's two kids. I, I saw them in the, um, I would say they were about, 13 years old, uh, two kids that were in the stands at the baseball game. And every time there's a, co- a foul ball at the college game, if it goes beyond the stands, you know, it's, it's got to be tracked down. These kids were like hustling over to track it down. It was kind of entertaining to watch them jump over the rails, do things. So I'm walking to the softball game and they, they're, 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 on, they're far down the sidewalk, 60 yards down the sidewalk, 50 yards down the sidewalk for me. And I see that they're playing like leapfrog, jumping over each other's back, which is something, you know, that's pretty cool to see kids at this age to do something like that because you, you don't see anything like that anymore. So I'm walking. So I, would, I was thinking most, you know, a lot of people might shake their head at that and say, oh, they're, they're you know, they're going to be, they're, they're putting me in danger. They're going to jump right by me. So as I got close to them, I said, hey, Give me a high five as you jump over your buddy's back. <laughs> you know? And they loved it. You know, I, I did it like twice with each of them. And they wanted me to continue doing it. You know, so so the point is, they just took something as simple as that. And imagine, we don't, it's too bad we don't have Sal on here. But imagine the athletic skills they're working on, jumping over the back. And, and these kids, you know, they would they, they, would get, they had some hops. And then they're, they're coordinating it by slapping my hand. As they go over their friend's back. But that's something as simple we never see anymore. So I think I think we need to get more out of kids by kind of getting in their world a little bit and have some fun. Again, that was fun. So they, that's something they may remember, they may not remember, but it's a little point that we don't see anymore. And boy, do I see it on the baseball field when I go watch games and stuff like that. And, and Will, nobody sees it more than you. What, what, uh, what do you see when you, uh, you know, roll up early and those teams are working out the one day a week they work out? Yeah, not uh, not a lot of fun, you know. Like you know, you would go to the ballpark early, and um, guys would play play for cokes for ground balls. You know, whoever catches the most ground balls, whoever made more errors, has to buy the other guy a coke. They would do that stuff with coaches. You know, the end of the round, they would uh, you know they would challenge themselves. Uh, you know, to do situational hitting one day. Um, you know, gap to gap, how many balls can you stay in the middle of the field with? Uh, then, you know, your, your last round might be a home run round where you try to drive some pitches, uh, looking for your pitch to drive, um, things like that. Pitchers, you know, we used to play pepper games every day. We used to, um, you know, do PFP and, uh, uh, you know, last guy standing that didn't make an error, you know, uh, you know, got something that day. Uh, there were all these little competitions going on, and but you were on the field doing something that was going to make you better. Well, even I, I would see that you know I'd always come early to the ballpark, and that's a you know for people who want to know 
And I always, they always ask for tips. If you're a writer, any job really, show up early. Show up a half yeah. hour early. Before anybody else, you see things that maybe uh, maybe they're working out a player early or, or somebody who's been hurt is suddenly throwing on the, on the side. Uh, but I would always see DeGrom and his group with the Mets. I would always see that, them out early playing some game where they would like pick different spots to the ballpark to hit the ball to. Yeah. And whether it was in the stands or whatever. And you could see it was competition for probably, like you say, a, a dinner or whatever. Yeah. And it was fun. So just doing little simple things like that made the game more fun. And what I'm seeing, here's what I'm seeing most of all. And this is what scares me most of all. And the parents aren't going to like this. And the coaches aren't going to like this. But I'm going to bring it out there. So I go to this softball game. And, um, you know, I want to sit and relax. It's early in the season. It's fun to watch the kids play. All of a sudden, before every pitch on the one team, I hear 17 4 3. Oh, God. Then I hear 6 2 9 before every pitch. And then the girl looks at her wrist and then she throws 7 8 1. Are you kidding me? If I played for that coach, I would walk off. I'd, I'd be gone. I, I would, you know, you know I'm, I'm going, going to. I don't know how often that happens, but that's another. They want to. The adults want to be playing the game. Stop playing the game and let the kids play. They want to control everything because you're not smart enough to figure anything out. And again, we're talking high school softball. So, you know, if you watch a swing in high school school softball and you blow a fastball by some hitter, you know, stay with it. Stay with it. I I saw another game. uh, I won't get into details this year, but the the pitcher would get ahead 0-2 and then get tricky and wound up walking the world, you know. So – but it's all because of the parents calling the pitches. And I'm sure it happens in baseball too. We, Dave, you see that in tournaments? Oh, it was uh, that when you were calling it out, I put my head down and shook, shook it because as it's, I'm walking around the it's field. It's so annoying. It's, oh, it's, but these kids have, I mean, it's a trickle down. They have the wristbands on yes. every pitch and the coach is calling out numbers based on the defensive shift. And I laugh like how many, I mean, the, the kids can barely handle the bat at, at that age. And I don't know what the hell the shift is, but it's it's comp it's, it's they're overcomplicating it to feel super important to just. Well, let me add to that before you go on again, because uh, so I like to bring again. I bring reality to the show. We all do. We're out there. So all that yelling is going on between every pitch, and there's like uh, men on first and second, women on first and second, and uh, there's a high fly hit the left, not that high, can of corn as we used to say. So after four or eight, twelve, the girl gets under it. Pops off her glove, and it becomes you know two base error. So 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 all that shifting and all that stuff. Work on catching the freaking ball. So I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, no. It's you're right. It's I had our kids laugh in the one game because we had a team doing that against us, and you know the 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 umpires. I know I I, I try to treat the umpires. Oh, the umpires deserve and, and they they came over and they're like they were laughing. I'm like, how come you don't do that shit? And I said, yeah. well, half, half, I said. Uh, I said, uh, you're, you, I saw, they saw a couple of our kids giggling over there. They're like, why are they giggling? I said, because I was adding up the numbers in between the calls like Rain Man. And uh, <laughs> so they, uh, they're like, well, and they, we had the coach over and, and he had asked, he goes, how come you do that for them? And um, he was trying to teach them and have me speak up. And he's like, well, you know, he went into some elaborate thing, which he didn't even know what it was. And he goes, Dave, how come you don't do that for your guys? It's because we practice. <laughs> You know, uh, three days because those teams don't practice. They don't. That's the big thing with these 
that's what we've well, lost. It's a high school team, though, so they must have practice. Yeah, it's a, but yeah, and it's uh, yeah, you're you're right. But what the hell are they doing there? They got to have all these numbers out there. Just um, tell them. I was getting confused just sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, whatever the numbers mean, as as a player, uh, it's taking my consciousness off of what I should be thinking about because I'm hearing some somebody screaming numbers. The only benefit I could see is that it might screw up the hitter because you got these numbers in your head. But uh, I would have more fun as a hitter because of me. That would that would ratchet me up another notch to to kick somebody's butt. Yeah. Go ahead, Will. No, no, we definitely see that the the uh, paralysis of analysis with <clears throat> all the data given every night to hitters, where we see guys take O uh, two fastballs down the middle because they're so overloaded with data, but... Um... Well, I was talking to, again, just because it's reality. So I was writing about somebody recently who got a job as a hitting coach. I don't want to mention the name, but uh, they got back to me and they said, yeah, I'm just trying to simplify things. That's all yeah. I want to do with this team. Yeah. I want to simplify yeah. things. So, so so, people in the game are recognizing it. No, I was glad to hear that at our recent meetings uh, with uh, Hensley Mullins talking about this is, a, this is a different organization, so yeah. that's, that's yeah. two organizations are trying to simplify yeah. things. <laughs> uh, with Clint Hurdle involved as well. And, you know, this weekend we did a camp. Uh, I don't know you guys remember Brandon Duckworth and Jesse sure. Levis. Sure. Uh, we had another former big league guy, Brett Oberholzer, left-handed pitcher, and Pedro Swan, an outfielder. And we had a nice group of kids. And we couldn't have stressed more. Uh, in the two sessions, how important the foundations are to playing the game, you know, and we had some really young kids and what we challenged them to, to do was to, to start by playing good catch. Uh, And I I shared that years ago from uh, hearing Mickey Mantle talk, believe it or not. You know, I shared with them uh, my Cal and Billy Ripken story when they first opened up Aberdeen they used to love to go out and watch all the kids play and they would watch the two teams warm up and play catch. And 99.9% of the time they would be able to pick the winning team by just too paid attention to having a good catch. And his dad saying, you know, saying for years, his dad was a baseball encyclopedia. The game's a game of playing catch. The pitcher plays catch with the, catcher the hitter hits the ball to the shortstop and the shortstop picks it up and he plays catch with the first baseman so if we can't play catch we can't play the game properly yogi, yogi Berra used to say that all the time as well yeah so you know and it's as dave says all the time it's common sense but common sense is no longer common and the more the further we get away from it with with the razzmatazz stuff yeah you know, the science, the, the pitching labs. You know, I, I could live with the pitching labs if all of a sudden the Tommy John surgeries are being cut in half. Then I'm yeah. saying, okay, you got something there. Uh, but they, they continue to go up. And the thing that scares me most of all here is that we are throwing the lab, the information on how this pitcher should pitch to someone who maybe never pitched. So has no clue about it. Well, and I, I had to laugh because, he, and I won't mention the player's name, um, but it, it talked about a player who was heavily involved in this. And this player 
I know this pitcher, I know for a fact, everyone I talked to always said this pitcher had the worst mechanics they've ever seen. This pitcher had major elbow injuries and this and that, but this pitcher's this pitcher's very involved in this. So, uh, so you know, I it, you know, we, you know, we, uh, you know, I've heard some, you know, some good things that come out of the labs with uh, creating better balance, better rhythm. Yep. Uh, you know, keeping the player on time, but nowhere within the uh, movement analysis should that person ever be teaching anyone how to pitch. Pitchers need to teach people how to pitch. Guys, Brent Strom. Brent Strom teaches these guys how to pitch. Yeah, and he also has a tremendous understanding of the biomechanics of a good delivery, which goes back to having the proper foundation to be able to execute pitches, which is the thing nobody ever talks about is pitch execution. Everybody talks point. about yep. uh, spin rate and velocity and vertical vertical movement and extension and this and that. How about making an effing pitch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, that's why I wanted today's show. You know, a lot of times we talk about what we're doing individually and stuff like that. But I want today's show to be kind of a, a guidepost for, you know, we're getting in, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into the baseball season. Teams are going to start being on fields or doing their winter workouts. So hopefully parents and kids that listen to this start doing more of the practical means and, and we'll, we'll wrap it up soon. But because uh, I, I know you all want to be Bobby Witt and sign that 11 year, two hundred and eighty eight point seven million dollar extension. Uh, well, you know, I get it. I get why these teams are doing it. Uh, and of course, it was, you know, everybody's saying it's great. This shows the Royals can do it. The teams can do it. I never can figure this out, though. If you have a younger player, kind of like uh, I'm, I'm bringing this to the NFL right now, the 49ers have Brock Purdy at like $800,000 a year so they can spend all their money somewhere else. If I had a young player who's really good, I'm not extending him till he's getting close to that extension mark, two yeah. years out maybe. Because yeah. I want to, first of all, I want to see how he does. Yeah. And all I hear about, what a great move, what a great move. Well, you know what? I got one, I got two words for you Wander Franco. You know, I forget what the numbers were. Yeah. But you think the Rays are loving that extension right now? No, and you know, you 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 have to continue to watch to see as the league adjusts to you. Do you adjust the league and to continue to grow your performance, or do you just buy into one one and a half or two good years and go, okay, he's the greatest? No, because you got to read the personality too. Because I was all for extending. Aaron Judge way before the Yankees did. Yeah. I could see that. And again, these players are going to get the money through arbitration down the road and things like that. But you want them, you want to make sure it's got to be a can't miss situation. And and uh, especially when you're dealing with these teams like that, the Yankees, as we've seen, can afford to make big mistakes. You know, certainly last year, we'll see how it goes in the future. But, you know, they threw some money away with Carlos Rodon. You know, yeah. they threw money away here. They threw money away there. Uh and when you're a team like the Royals, and, I, and nothing is Bobby Witt. He seems to be the guy. So I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not, you know, um, I don't think this is a bad one. I can understand what they're doing. I want to send a message. Yeah. You send your message to your fans. But you can also send your message as a fan by maybe taking that $288 million, knowing this guy's already under, under, you know, this guy's already under contract for a while. And maybe taking like two hundred of that million and 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 signing yourself some pitchers that help you down the road or or another hitter or things like that to make this player better. So you 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 win 
and then maybe you have more fans and then you have bigger TV revenues and then down the road, you can even give them a better contract. So this whole, this whole, again, it's another extension of people making decisions who don't know the reality of the situation. And we're seeing in, and from the time they get off the bus with all the people you mentioned from the, the pitch labs, which there are some good things. I don't want to be, you know, you know, uh, I don't want to be negative on that. There are some good things because I remember talking to Rick Peterson about this years ago, ten years ago, longer. So it's not like I don't know about it. And he, he and he felt it was a good thing to have. But it's 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 just one little thing. My main message here, and I'll drop it to you guys when I finish this off. But my main message today is get out there, be you know, throw the ball around, do more on your own. And even if no, if your friend, you know, if your friends aren't around. You know, do do stuff on your own. Throw into a net. You know, make yourself better. Do baseball things to make yourself a better baseball player. And I'll uh, we can each go. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll go, Dave, and then we'll go. Will with final thoughts on uh, your biggest advice going into a season as we as all these young players get ready to go into a season, and also high school, college, right down the road. And by the way, college kids are now like about twenty eight too. So with the crazy so. There's 28, and now they're starting with Dartmouth. If you saw the ticker this morning, oh, I saw it. They're uh, they're now well, they're going to uh, battle it, but they're officially employees of the school, and it's we knew this was going to happen. Um, yep. it's going to be interesting. But and by the way, take, just a, just an addition there because uh, I'm good. You know, I'm friends with Hal McCoy, a longtime writer in Cincinnati. Does has he has he still writes some great stuff, and uh, he pointed out today that uh, this this transfer portal. Has, is really killing teams like uh, Miami of Ohio. And I've watched some of their games this year. I, li- I like that that style of football. So I've watched some of their games this year, and they did had a really good year. The coach I was very impressed with, good coach. But he lost his four top players um, to the transfer portal because each one was paid like $250,000 to go to transfer somewhere, and his school can't afford that. So uh, be careful. Again, I say it all the time. Be careful what you wish for. They, uh, they created a minor league system, basically. Yes. Um, with So, I mean, one of the things you talked early, Kevin, and I think it was a theme throughout the show, was was to have fun. And I, I had fun today. I enjoyed the show. I, I caught myself smiling several times. Sure. mute myself because I was laughing. And, um, you know, we have fun on this show. But I make fun. You know, the other thing, Dave, like, have fun with your teammates. You know, you can, yeah. you can bust somebody's chops. It's oh, not yeah. the end of the world. Don't go crying. To your parents, if somebody's picking on you and stuff like that, if you see, if you see all every team I've been on, and certainly every successful team I've been on, they were able, you know, you're able to kind of have some fun with your teammates and and call call each other out. So that's another part of fun too that uh, that's been lost as uh, uh, bullying. Don't be triggered. They, they they get triggered too. Easy. That's the word. The, the one the one point you made, and I'm, I'll be quick and I'll turn it to Will. Um, when you, when you were talking about saying hello, we, we have a concept that we talk about called be first. And it's not about winning. It's about when you see somebody walking in front of you, whether it's another kid or an adult, especially an adult, if you're a child, yeah. say hello first, shake their hand, no fist bumps, shake their hand like, like, like a man does. And um, it goes a long way because kids don't do that anymore. And I do that in my neighborhood even. People, people have a hard time with it nowadays. Oh, yeah. They're so used to looking, they're so disengaged and I do that with adults all the time. It makes them uncomfortable until I don't let go of their hand till they look me in the eye, and then, then I move on. But so uh, you do a stop and chat like uh, on, on the old uh, curb your enthusiasm. Just I, after shaking my hand, they don't want to chat because they're probably frightened <laughs> the fact that I initiated contact with them. But uh, yeah, just a, just a hello, just to shake the hand. Um, 
I think that goes a long way with people. There's so many barriers we have up now with, you know, we talk technology, but people oh. are so drone-like and disengaged. I encourage people out there, listen, be first today. Just shake somebody's hand. Say, you don't have to shake their hand. Just say hello um, first. Look them in the eye. It's, it's, it's a lost art. Well, the, and again, before we get to Will, that, and that's why, I, again, the show was fun because uh, we, we go to different areas and it, it's organic. I was watching the Pat McAfee show the other day and he showed a clip. And again, the last hour of Pat McAfee is the best hour because it's on YouTube, so it's not got ESPN restrictions. So so they get a little more more, more uh, real. And uh, it was unbelievable. It just The, the new uh, Apple Pfizer, are you guys familiar with that? Um, well, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, again, there's certain things that you can use these things for. You it's a, 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 you put it on and and basically it does everything. There's a, your, your life becomes a screen, basically. You can put five TVs up there with different hand signals and things with your eyes. You can you can do anything. You can be in the moment. You can it's 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 going to be the further extension of living in our own individual worlds and not caring about anybody. So anyway. Just that that's a rough idea. I think it costs like three thousand dollars, too. So they had uh, I think it was a it was either a Clippers or a Lakers game. Sounds like, a, you know, I forget where it was. But a guy in the front row had one of these on, you know, these big gadgets. And he was like shooting and doing things and standing up and while the game was going on. <laughs> I don't know if he put himself in the game, but if I'm at that game and that guy's in front of me, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But uh that's where we're heading. It's absolutely scary. And uh, I, I encourage everyone to look for that clip and uh, start uh, doing like, like Dave says, be first. Go ahead, Will. Well, a, a couple things. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about Tommy John surgeries. And here's some advice to young pitchers and parents. Um, learn the word no. Yeah. Um, too many times a coach that truly doesn't care about you is going to ask you to go pitch innings you shouldn't be pitching. And that's one of the reasons, you know, that uh, in defense of our industry and us trying to keep guys healthy, we have kids who have been so uh, abused, you know, it was almost like child abuse. Um, because the parents and the kids are not educated. Um, you know, parents don't know. They're all trying to throw 95 to 100, but your arm can't take throwing 95 to 100 when you're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, we are not doing any services to them. Coaches don't, some coaches don't care about you. They're trying to win a tournament. Um, learn to say no. You know, when, when, when you pitch your game in a tournament and you've thrown a, a pretty good amount of pitches, 75 to 100 pitches, and that comes to Sunday and, oh, we got a chance to get a ring if we win. No, <laughs> no, please, no. Just learn to say no. Um, and hopefully, you know, respectfully, the coach will understand that. And maybe he'll learn a lesson, but you know, I, you know, I saw uh, some of these pitching gurus that are telling kids that run uh, travel, but big travel ball programs. Tell your co- high school coach that you don't want to pitch the first six weeks of the season. So I saw that. See, 
save your innings for it. What, what, are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. Uh, I just watched the movie. Um, I watched so Friday Night Lights, the you know the original movie. Yeah, yeah, with Billy Bob and uh, uh, like they said, you know, it's your, your senior year. You know, do well for your high school. You know, and and make that make that your uh, center of approach. So it's just unbelievable. Well, I thought of one other question when you were talking because we we tried to give out so much information, but for a like uh, I'm going to go different age brackets here, but say for Say for a 12-year-old, and then maybe let's jump up to 14 and then 16. We'll just keep it at that. Okay. Uh, a pitcher for a 12-year-old, what's a good ratio of balls to strikes? Because that's one thing. That's one number that I, I don't mind using. You know, you, uh, you should be, uh, as a 12-year-old, you should be trying to um, continually build your arm strength uh, figure out your body, how to how to keep your body together, um, and then the ball strike thing kind of takes care of itself with okay. practice. And um, you know the and that more, goes to a fourteen year old and a sixteen year old too, right? Yeah, exactly. You know you um, you know the biggest jump in probably any sport because our fields are separated from youth. And then all of a sudden you turn 13 and, you know, I used to tell kids, you know, you know, when my son was 13, I said, you know, you're pitching on the same mound as CC Sabathia. Right. And you're five feet, you're five feet eight and you weigh about a hundred pounds. So, you know, um, you know, you're trying to continually build your arm strength, keep your delivery together um, figure, you know, figure out how to throw strikes at 60 feet, six inches, because your field, your field is the same as, as Mike Trout and CC and Aaron judge and all those guys are playing on. So, you know, it's all a learning curve, but you don't get any better. Um, looking at iPad data, you get better by going out and doing things and doing them the right way and understanding, you know, keeping, you know, keeping your approach simple, uh, you know, for pitchers, balance, rhythm and timing, keeping yourself balanced, keeping your body online, you know. And get some ground balls. Get some ground yeah. balls. Yeah. Yeah. Everything doesn't yeah. have to be a strikeout. Work, work, you know, get them, get the hitter off balance, get him ahead, you know, where he's swinging too far ahead. Uh, yeah. It's still, and again, my, my one piece of, Advice should be learn a change up too, will you? Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a change up is a is a great pitch. You have a whole generation of kids who are uh, sitting dead red, trying to lift the ball, trying to drive the ball, trying to hit home runs. You know, you can go fastball change up, and like Dave said, that's a tough thing to do, Dave. You know, certain hitters you you get out by rocking them north and south. Off speed, hard, soft, hard, soft. Some guys it's in and out. Some guys it's up and down. Some guys you got to mix all of it in. When you're facing Tony Gwynn, you got to utilize all those different things. But those are three different ways of getting hitters out. Changing speeds, moving the ball in and out, and moving the ball up and down. Those are all ways, those are all tools for you to get hitters out. That's it. I wish they would use smaller baseballs at the younger age groups. They do it for every other sport. Yeah. Yeah. Lighter, I, but 
I mean, I watch these eight-year-olds, and they, it's fun to watch. You know, they're out there playing, but they're going to find a way to get that darn ball over. But in the meantime, they're developing some really bad habits. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many kids do you see when I do camps that they're throwing their fastball three fingers because their hands were always too small to throw it two fingers on the ball? You know, and basically you're throwing a change up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, well, Kevin, how do you want to end this today? Uh, you can take us home. I think we've Thanks. got a lot covered here. That was a great show. We, um, yeah, thanks for the audience. Uh, 67,000 for episode 439 here. We talked about some of our plans uh, as we move into 2024. And uh, this, uh, the Right Way Baseball Network that Will George has been kind of putting out there bit by bit. I think we're there now. We've got some great partners working backwards to get you guys more content, more personal, and uh, really unload our the knowledge of all of our hosts onto the baseball world. I think that's what's going to help change the game here. So, guys, thank you so much for what you do. Um, your knowledge is invaluable. The, how much you care about the game is invaluable, and how much you care about the kids out there is invaluable. So thank you for that. Thanks to our, our sponsors out there. I won't go through them again, and thanks for the nominations for the awards. And uh, with that, episode 439, this is the leadoff hitter for a triple, uh, for, for triple header today. So we got the, uh, the Colonel coming up next with the arms race, Jim Colonel, and then Sal Marinello with the hot corner. He just verified a 1 o'clock start time with me, Kevin, so I'm, I'm counting <laughs> on it. So with that, episode 439 in the big books, Coach and Kernan. Thanks, guys. Thank you.